0: This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in this sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our featured sermon. Well, praise the Lord for the team. Praise the Lord for your singing. By the way, this water is the doctor prescribed, somebody, I think this is for me, right? This extra one here, right? <laughs> okay, I just checked, somebody left the water. Praise the Lord. Listen, open your Bibles with me and we're going to get right to it. Mac chapter 11, 28, and we read it this morning. We were um, reminded of Jesus' words. And, you know, Brother Len mentioned to you that this last weekend, I know I was, uh, I was in Windermere in the morning, but then in the afternoon, we had planned and some of you knew most of you hopefully knew um of the business meeting that took place saturday afternoon and what a business meeting is for those who don't know is the church members of the church coming together and going we do it at least once a year we want to get to do it even more often if we can but it provides an opportunity for the members of the church those who are members of the church and and really want to connect and want to support the ministry here uh, to come and to talk about issues and plan for the year. And so part of that planning was the the budget, the church budget that was approved. And uh, like Brother Len said, we, we got to thank you because, uh, again, we were reminded, uh, this little church, We and I could give you the numbers, some of you might know the numbers already, um, we had, I think, close to between tithe and offering. This church uh, brought back to the Lord last year over, I think, close to $250,000, which is a... It's a, a good number, amen? I mean, that's a, that's a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> that's a blessing because we have, we have on, our, on, our, on our books, of course, by the way, uh, some of you know this, when we came in, we had, we had about uh, 213 members on the book of this church. But a lot of, most of them, a lot of them were not coming to this church. And so we had the challenge of, of trying to clean up the books as we went through the next five years and, uh, and I know that the leadership of this church wanted to do that, and so I came in, and the North American division, uh, which is, by the way, the leadership of the church, they wanted us to do that, and they were pushing for that all across North America. And, as we ha- and a lot of that has been happening. So long story short, last we, we, we have right now 153 members of the church. Now, we're back from 213 to 153, but of, of those 153, uh. More than fifty percent of the of those are actually people that are coming to this church, and that's that's a growth for us. That's a um, a good step towards a positive thing, uh, a positive future. Amen. Uh, I hope you see it that way. I know we have we still have some names of people that we don't even know where they are, and our our plan is to hopefully be able to try to connect with those. And if you know somebody, just this last week uh, we have two members that are memberships that are being transferred out. Uh, people that we had names here, but they were going to another church. And we needed to know that because that helps the church at large, and that helps us to know that you are connected somewhere. We we just don't want you to come here. We want you to be whatever you are, wherever the Lord calls you to go. you got to connect in ministry, amen? And I know that's what we've been asking you and we've been preaching about, and and some of you have been hearing that for for a long time now, and and some of you have responded to that. And so uh, our prayer is that this year, more of that will happen, and so we will be doing some more of that, but the Lord blessed us, and so we were blessed in, in, in the progress that has been, has, been, has been going on, but there's a lot more growth that we could do and, and, and among those among that kind of growth that we will. We're thinking and planning for this year, especially with the challenge of having two churches, and, uh, which, by the way, I thank God for the leadership has stepped up and, and really uh, done a tremendous job in, in doing a lot of the work that now I can do. So the leadership has been able to do that in this church, and I thank God for that, for leaders that are committed to the growth and to the responsibilities of the call that God has given them in their lives. And we have, we have many of those here in this church, and we thank God for that. Amen. This coming year, also, we want to refocus. Part of the part of the desire that we have, part of the plan, is we want to refocus on our mission, vision, statement, and not only uh, continue to 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 promote it, but actually to begin to design ways in which we, as a church, will become more efficient and effective in how we we go from principles that we want to be about to principles that dictate and and. And, and build the, the atmosphere around the church. For example, we have this principle of worship, amen? And that, that's why it's here. Uh, kind of our desire is to decorate this thing even more and grow into perhaps, if the Lord has in store for us, maybe a, a new building, but that's something that only God knows. We, we're looking at the numbers, and we're starting to talk about some people. And the truth of the matter is that this church probably has been in need of that for a while, but we leave that up to the Lord. And if he provides that, he's going to lead us to that, amen? The main thing is we want us to really be, this coming year, to begin to be more intentional about our core values, and, and to do that, how many of you know our, our purpose, uh, vision statement in this church? Anybody? Anybody knows what a vision statement is? Amen. That's the one. <laughs> You're on the right track. The, the mission is go make disciples. That, that's kind of a, something that we agree, and we said that's the bottom line of what we want to be about, Right? We want to be our lives, and I think you heard it this morning, said in different places. We want to be your, we want your life and our lives, and our focus be in making disciples, which means that we're gonna to have to go. Beyond just coming to come into church on Sabbath morning and to begin to try to transfer our values and who we are to other people. And among those are your children, right? That's the number one disciples. And by the way, that's, uh, that's part of being a family because the number one people that you and I could disciple is our children. Can you say amen? That's why we are that takes us to our vision statement, which is families growing together, and it's in the bulletin. If you don't know it yet, you could pull it up, the bulletin. We are families growing together in the life of worship, seeking the inf- uh, right?? Okay. Seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit and through acts of service, reaching the lost. And right there, there's five core values. Among those is worship, is growth and is service. And the others two is family and anybody could pick out the other one? and evangelism right, or outreach, which is kind of the five main things that we've been emphasizing here. But this year, we want to move from being, kind of having them out there to becoming more effective in how do we actually live that out? And how do we become um, more effective in that area? Well, the North American Division has put out a, a tool that we're gonna use this year among the leaderships. Even this afternoon, we're getting together to talk a little more about that with elders and leaders in the church. But the desire is to use this tool that the North American Division is, is, is providing of how to become a mission-driven church, how to really go from being just a normal church, uh, just an average church, to a church that's effective in promoting and, and building the church around the vision and mission that God has given us. And I believe that we have that. I believe that we have a God-given mission uh, and vision that we just need to, what's the next step? How do we go to the next level? And you were part, you already started this process. You were partaking in a survey that we did the other day about the worship service, which by the way, thank you. We, I've been going through some of the responses and we will talk to the leaders even this week, this uh, uh, Saturday afternoon, a little bit more about some of the responses and what that means to us. And so there are things that we want to do this year, but why, why am I talking about that? Well, because first of all, I wanted to share with you quickly on the last few minutes that we have, and I have more things that I want to share with, but... Uh, again, the main, I want you to understand this, that worship is not just also the sermon that happens here, right? Right? Yes. I mean, the sermon is part of the worship, but some of us think that that's kind of the main thing of worship, and I give you that. I mean, it's an important part of worship. Can we say amen to that? We agree to that, right? Not because not because I am a man, a man has something to bring to you about what God's walk in my life is, um, because the truth of the matter is is that, I mean, I'm just a human being, amen, and, and we got our challenges, but, but through us fellowshipping together and growing together, worship and this time of sharing the Word of God becomes more meaningful if it comes from where? From the Word of God, amen? Yes. First of all. And so that, that is important, and, and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is it's important that we share from the Word of God and that there's a main sermon and a main part to share, but that's not everything about worship. I mean, to me, and, and, and some of you... I want you to bear with me and, and listen to this. To me, not only that is a center, but the tithe and the offerings and, and the music and, and the story and whatever elements we have together in worship, even the moment when people step out of their pews and begin to share together and get to know each other, fellowship, greeting each other, that all is part of a meaningful worship experience. Amen? So it's, worship is, is a holistic expression. It's a holistic experience of God. In our lives, and yes, granted, um, we pray and you pray for me. And by the way, your prayers are invaluable when it comes to God's anointing and preparation in my life, too. Amen. And and of course, we do the preparation and we go through what God has outlined for us, and we get ready for this Sabbath. But again, the everything of what happens here is an experience of worship that we have. You know that that children's story that was about the gifts, right? I mean, that was the sermon itself, and. <laughs> And if you could, that's the stuff that we've been talking about. I mean, I, I like the story because it, it talks about the reality of who we are. And, and if everybody will grab that, if you understand that you are part of a body. And I know a lot of you are saying, yes, yes, yes. But listen, I, I was visiting with a pastor today. And I know I'm, I don't mean to, I love those who say yes, amen. But I want you to think about this. I was visiting with a pastor this week that uh, maybe it was last week, um, he went to the hospital, missionary, came into, back to America after being three years out in the mission field, and, and God brought him because he was dying to the point that he is fellowshipping in Windermere next week, he's, uh, last week, and he begins to feel that pain on his shoulder. Anyway, through Sabbath school, he decides that he needs to go to the ER. And so he went to the ER, and sure enough, his pacemaker was acting up. By Monday, he's being replaced. He, you know, his pacemaker's being replaced. So I sat down with him. I went to visit with him, and, and as I'm sitting down, he tells me this. He says, he says now, mind you, this is a, a, a man that has dedicated his life to God, and he's been in ministry for over 30 years. he has been in the mission field, and he told me some things he experienced, and I was like just, wow. I, I, I have no words. For the challenges that he's faced and for the blessings that God has, has blessed him with, I was blessed to visit with him. But he said this, and, and he said, you know, Pastor, I think the main issue in the North American church, oh, the church wherever we are, he says, is that we don't really understand this idea of that we are part of a body. And I, I sat down with him and I, and I agree with him. I said, yes, you know, we've been trying to talk about spiritual gifts and how people uh, go, you know, and, and, and share and we are needed in the church. But the truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, when I was talking to him, I have to agree that a lot of the times we don't realize how important we are. In what happens here, what God wants to do among us. And if you're not involved, you're not allowing God. Listen to this. You are getting in the way of God fulfilling his purpose for this church. Do you hear me? Amen. If we just in and out, come in and out, and just enough with just being expectators and and, and being consumers, I mean, we, we're not allowing God to fulfill its full potential. Now, mind you, God is going to do whatever he's going to do. Amen? But what a blessing we're missing. But anyway, I don't want to go sidetrack. But so this worship, this worship idea to Mark 12, and I'm I'm going to dedicate the last few minutes to this idea of worship and then uh, apply it to us and sing a final last song. Because this is one of those core values of who we are as a church. And I don't believe only here, but if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your life, at the center of your life, there is this principle of worshiping God. Above all else. And so, Mark 12, if you had that with me, we could look it up and, and read it together. Mark 12, and uh, verse 28 says So one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, The foremost is, and he's quoted from the Old Testament, of course, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 30. And you, should lo- and you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And he says that's the number one. Amen. That's the number one. Now, mind you, the, the, the Jewish people, if you know anything about history, they had by this time over 600, and, over 600 which I think exactly there meant 613 commandments that to them were important. And so when these guys are asking which of these, they're talking about which of these 613 that we know, which of these, we're talking about the 10. But these guys that come up with only, they didn't think 10 were enough. They have come up with 613. And out of all those, Jesus says, the number one is, he says, love God. He didn't say just love God. But Jesus clarified and he said, he he, he explained what he meant. Love God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind, and if you don't get it, with all your strength. That's the number one. But What does that look like in the life of a Christian? What does that look like in on, the on a, on a, on a, life of the Seventh-day Adventists in the 21st century when we're facing this, such a critical society that we live living in? And again, if you've been paying attention, there are things that are going on around our society today that it makes you wonder. What does it look like to love God with everything that I've got in the midst of this election coming up, right? Well, I want to define quickly what worship is. And worship, as the word says, worship is whatever you love the most has your heart. Amen? A.W. Tozer. he said, God is trying to call us back to that for which he created us, to worship him and enjoy him forever. So this idea of worshiping God is that, and, and this principle, and Jesus says this is the number one thing that we must be about as followers of Jesus Christ. He says, is that God must be the number one in our lives. The one thing that we were created for, God is calling us back to make that the center of your life. But Isaiah 53, 6 reminds us that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the reality is, folks, that we know that should be number one. But everything in our heart, everything in our sinful nature actually points opposite to making God the number one, to loving God and again, he, he describes with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, with everything that we got, everything that we have, everything that we are, takes us back and wants to take us the opposite direction. Be honest. And then as we look at people around us, as we look at our, even our own families, as we look at our co-workers, people today, and, and listen to me now, people are disconnected. I mean, they're disconnecting from God and disconnecting from each other. Amen? I mean, there's a lot of Facebook and all that internet stuff going on. But the truth of the matter is, is that we grow more isolated than ever before. And there's more loneliness. And people are disconnected. Disconnected, first of all, from God. And since we are against God in our nature, so the natural state of human beings is to go disconnected from God, from sin. The moment that sin came into the picture, you know what happened. Adam and Eve started going their own way. And God began then the search to seek us back, to try to get us back to that relationship because worshiping God with everything that we have and with everything that we are, is about this relationship with him that we must have him at the center. He must be our all, but people, and we are disconnected. This reality too, more than that, is not only disconnected, but people, and listen to this, people everywhere where you are, where you go, We are disconnected, and people are disconnected in a natural state of being of who we are. But people, at the same time, are searching. I don't know if you notice, but everyone that you know is searching. Just um, got a haircut again this week, trying to keep up the military stuff going on, you know, trying to to find the balance between the military cut and the cut that my wife doesn't think is too short. (laughs) So there she goes. She goes, yeah, yeah. Uh, And so I went back to the barber, the, uh, well, the hairstylist, and, and this is, I think, the third or fourth time that this lady's doing my hair, and, and, and she's kind of, I think she's striking the balance. She's doing something that I think the wife likes, and the military likes, so I said, let me go back to, to, to there, and I just went back to her this week. We got to, to share a little more, and, and she started sharing with me and, and saying that, you know, that she, she has been, she has what we're going to do this weekend, and I said, well, the weekends are pretty busy for me. We're going to, we lead out into churches. And so she found out, of course, that I was a pastor. And, and she started telling me that, that she's just been through a divorce, a second marriage, second divorce. And, and, and this man that she's been married to, it was um, someone that she thought God answered her prayers with. And, and she thought this is the one. Because she was praying for someone to show her, she said, what love is. And this was a godly man, apparently. And they were going to a church, and they were doing Bible studies, and they were fellowshipping and growing, and she liked that. And then she tells me at the end of a conversation, but you know what, once, once we separated, now my friends from church, now they deserted me, now I'm by myself. They don't want to study the Bible with me anymore, because it was his church, of course. And I feel like I can't go back to that church. And in fact, is that people kind of left her on the side because they took his side, and, um, and now she finds herself Searching for that right church, for that place where she could belong, and she feels so. She was obviously, and there she is doing my hair, and I'm reminded: yes, people everywhere around are searching for God, because even though we're disconnected, we disconnect ourselves from God. The natural state of being: we were created to be connected with God, and so all of us, once we feel the disconnection, we search back for this connection, and and listen. And the truth of the matter is that beyond that, people don't understand what God is trying to do in their lives. They don't understand the love that God, uh, the love of a God that is unconditional, a God that gave his only son, that we who are disconnected with him and sometimes don't even feel that need at some point, that we don't react to it, that we could have that relationship back with him. And for us as children of God, as those who have that connection, we are called to what? To help people understand and point them back to this number one priority of our human existence, which is to worship God. And how can we do that? Well, John one twenty nine tells us. And then we're going to wrap up with this next three examples. Um, John one twenty nine says, "Behold, what the Lamb of God." This is John talking to. To those who were listening to him, he looks at Jesus, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen, the only way that you and I could allow people or could point Jesus, uh, people back to that connection, that relationship that they must have is by pointing them to Jesus Christ, amen? And again, the question is, what does it mean then for us to love God above everything else in this time that we live in, in the 21st century? I want to I remind you quickly of three stories, and then we'll, and then we'll pray. Remember Moses? Okay. You're going to look this up. But I don't have any more time. I was going to look up some Bible verses, but I know you're going to go back home and you're going to read it and look it up and study and dig it, right? All right. So Exodus chapter three, Moses, what happens there? Anybody knows? Moses and the burning bush, right? Now I want you to know something. Moses, up to this point in his life, Moses was ready for his next step in life, but Moses did not know what his purpose was. Remember that? Because God finds him out in the desert, in the middle of nowhere, fleeing and going away, running away from his purpose. And God calls him back. And now God reveals himself to him, by the way, and calls him back to his purpose, which tells us one thing, that the number, and what did, what did Moses do? He says, well, God, by the way, we shared this this week too, uh, as we were sharing one of the uh, prayer meetings, um, Moses, when God called him. Moses, the first reaction was, Lord, but I want to do it, but but I can't. I mean, I can't speak in public, right? Now, number one thing is God calls Moses back to his purpose, right? So God is the one who calls him back to this relationship, to where he needed to be. Moses then proceeds to kind of doubt God. And by the way, know this. When God calls us back and when you feel God's calling in your life, be careful of what you say next because you might limit what God wants to do in your life for the rest of your life. Hello? Do you know that from that moment on, then Moses was not able to be the one who was the spokesman? Who became the spokesman? Aaron. But I truly believe that that wasn't God's original plan. I mean, God called him and said, I'm going to do it with you. But Moses... With his limited ability, with his limited understanding of God, the first thing he throws at God is, God, I have an obstacle. I want to do it. I really do. Have you ever seen yourself doing that? Yes, Lord, I really want to do it. But, and then from there on, we limit God's activity for the re- not only for one time, but listen to this, for the rest of our lives. But the beautiful thing about this is that Moses, by the way, so we know that Moses at that point, his relationship was not all, God was not at the center of everything he did, but little by little, it was a journey to the point that if you read in chapter 33 of Exodus, God was speaking face to face with Moses. And Moses, the one thing that we learn in his life, and get this, what, is it, what does it look like to love God above everything else? Number one thing is that we must be obedient, Amen. So loving God is not just singing song and it's just coming once a week, meeting each other, you know, and, and fellowshiping. That whatever God is leading you to do in your life, you must begin to listen to God because he knows best. And you must begin to adapt your life, to, to condition your life to God's purpose. And you must begin to do the things that you know you've been having to do for the longest time. You need to allow God to grow you, to be obedient. Number one in the life. That God wants you to live. Number two case that I want to point out to you is: remember the the three Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter three. All oh, we're going to look at, at at chapters three, Exodus chapter three, Daniel chapter three. Remember those three Hebrew boys? Friends with Daniel. Were the names? All right, all right. Somebody that that everybody, yeah, everybody. I think you guys said it. But so, what is it? That's right. You guys are better than me. I can't remember, remember those names. But those three guys. <laughs> What happened with them? What happened with them? What do you think we could, we could learn in the life of these men about worship? And what does it mean to worship God above everything else? Well, you know the story. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, wants them to bow down before their image. And they decide, no, you won't do it because that's against what God wants us to do. And then, you know what happens next? The furnace. And the king heats it up seven times more, right? But what is the response to that? And then the king, he didn't want to do this. He calls me and said, listen, guys, help me out here. I really don't want to do this. Why don't you just please, just one time? And the answer is, listen, we appreciate, king, that you're concerned for our safety. We really are, <laughs> right? He was. But he says, we can't do it because our God says we can. And, and, he, and he said, and God, not only that, he said, we want to obey God and God could spare us. He can save us. We know that we serve a God that is alive, and he will save us. But then they said, and if he chooses not to spare our lives, he says, we're still going to do it because we trust him. Now, today, in our society today, it seems that we seem to follow God because he's willing to spare us. (laughs) I mean, look at the gospel of prosperity. Everybody's preaching, right? that if you're a Christian, everything goes well, everything's supposed to go well, but these guys knew that Christianity is more than prosperity, hello, Christianity is more than having a good retirement plan, isn't it, it is good to have a good retirement plan, but the truth of the matter is, is that number one thing, what does it mean to love God above all else, with everything that we are in the life of these Hebrew boys, is that we trust God, no matter what, we obey God, we trust God, and then The final example I want to give you is in Luke chapter 7. You're going to look this up. Remember that woman, the woman that came to Jesus. And she had this perfume that she wanted to pour out at Jesus' feet. You know, the beautiful thing that happens there is that there was no songs. There was no singing going on. But make no mistake, this was an act of worship. Her heart. Because, and I want you to come with me and we're going to finish there in chapter 7 of Luke, and then we'll sing. Garth, we got that last song together, amen? Let's get it ready, Garth, so you lead us out in that last one. Look with me, chapter, uh, the gospel according to Luke, chapter seven, in verse um, 36. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Verse 37, and there was a woman, a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, She brought an alabaster vial of perfume and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept weeping I'm wiping them, I'm sorry, and kept wiping them. So she, she gets the feet wet with her tears and she wipes them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Do you see that everything she was, with all her heart, it was in that act of pouring her perfume, this special gift before the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he will know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And then he gives him this parable. And basically Jesus says that her sins, in verse 47, for this reason I say to you, her sins which are, her sins which are many have been forgiven, for she loved much. And then he said to her, verse 48, your sins have been forgiven. Listen, as we remember that story, the one thing that you cannot avoid but think about when you realize what this woman is doing is that this woman knew how much Jesus meant for her. And her whole heart was in this act of worship. And she, knowing she was a sinful woman, she teaches today that she had surrendered her heart to God in such a way that she didn't care. Always happened in her surroundings. She was there for one reason and one reason only. To demonstrate to Jesus how much she was thankful for what he has done for her. And so, if she teaches us anything this morning about what it's supposed to look like in the life of a Christian. Worshipping God with all our heart. And by the way, what God wants is that. Amen? Our hearts. God doesn't want us to obey him only because we want to. Um, follow certain rules or be perfect or try to be the best, you know, on our own strength. God wants us to love him because out of our own heart, to obey him and to trust him because out of our heart, we understand that the love that he's given us and the love that he's shared with us needs to be reciprocated and that we must love him back with everything that we have. As we think of this year, 20. 2016, that has already started and we're already in March, end of March, Um, we want to be individually and as a community, as families, to be people that center our lives in worshiping God above everything else. Amen.